Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today, a blessed Pentecost to all of you this Monday, June the 6th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. It's an appropriate study as we just have celebrated Pentecost. We've seen the Pentecost story, and I love how I've read and studied this, where it talks about what separated humanity here in the Tower of Babel is brought back together in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And that's something we want to dig into today as we celebrate knowing the end of the story and what the story is yet to come. But we gather here on this side of eternity, united in Christ. So united in Christ by the Holy Spirit, we once again dig into his word. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, happy Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, and, and Brady, thank you for making that reference because, yeah, I mean, uh, this this whole text does not mention Jesus at all, and yet it is all about Jesus. <laughs> okay, right, right. <laughs> or, or rather, I guess the need, the need for a Jesus, uh, mm. and, and of course, as you pointed out, there's the direct correlation with what Jesus does at Pentecost. Because remember, now there's no spirit except Jesus sends the spirit. That was the mm-hmm. point he made. He said, I know you guys would like me to hang around, but trust me, it's better if I go. And when I go, I will send you the spirit. Uh, and indeed, in that chapter there of access to it says, you know, he poured out the spirit upon you because um, that's the problem. What we're going to see is the problem. We're going to see the sin. We're going to think the thing that divides us. And the irony is when we're united, we still want to do what is evil and wicked. We can't win for losing. Uh, uh, but it's Jesus now who will restore the unity uh, um well, we'll get into that. We'll get, I don't want to take away all the good stuff before we even start the study. Um, <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. But you know what? How much Can we really give too much good stuff right away? I'm not quite that's sure if that's possible. Point. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pastor, anything else going on? You're, you're north here with us. Uh, yeah. Anything else going yeah, on? Yeah, and, and uh, again, uh, I, I don't know how you deal with the snow, Brady, but uh, you know we're getting used to it. <laughs> No, there's no snow in Minnesota. (laughs) 70 degrees, 60 degrees, beautiful, beautiful weather. Yeah, we're just excited about our our summer up here in the the north. And uh, yeah, graduations. We had a couple of graduations. Uh, My grandson graduated from Purdue. I had another uh, grandson who graduated from eighth grade. So uh, yeah, we're just kind of getting settled down to have our summer routine. I love it. I love it. Well, hopefully sometime we'll be able to meet up again this summer, whether it's at Hogan Brothers or somewhere in between. Either way, it'll be a real blessing to have you up north. So, Pastor, we're here to study the Word of God. Can you begin our time in prayer? Oh, Lord, uh, this is such a familiar story, and yet it seems like such an old, odd story. And yet it is all about us. It's about what's going on in our lives right here and now. And, and it's also about a God who who comes down, who intervenes 
Um, and he also wants to intervene in our life for the good. So help us to, to see the hopefulness that is found in this text, as well as the warnings and the call to repentance as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. As we look at this, we're just going to start by hearing the Word of God. Genesis chapter 11, we'll be only doing the first nine verses as we look at this, as Pastor said, a very well-known text. But as I challenge you, as I have to challenge myself continuously, just because you think you know the text doesn't mean that you don't have to hear it again. And so that's why we hear it again with our Christ goggles on and point once again to our need of a Savior. Verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them down thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord Yahweh said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord Yahweh dispersed them from over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord Yahweh confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord Yahweh dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Pastor, here we are. We're in chapter 11. We just got done with a long descendancy. We'll, after we're done with this, we'll go to Shem's descendants. It's a unique spot of Genesis. How do you want to start us off? Well, I, maybe just a little background. Like you said, we, we've just been given the, the uh, genealogies. We'll get some more genealogies. Uh, and, and it's generally considered the Tower of Babel is the story of Ham. This is what happens with Ham's descendants. Uh, and of course, Ham is the one who is cursed uh, because he saw his father's nakedness. And rather than trying to cover up the father to take away the shame, he goes out. Oh, you got to come see dad. He's sitting laying there naked drunk. You know, of course, the other brothers, mm -hmm. they, they do cover him. Um, so so I think I think you can see that you can kind of see there's there's the sin is already at work. It lays at the foundation of this. Uh, and, and in fact, I think to really understand this text because it, it's interesting, because it says, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed. And, mm. and you're wondering, well, well, why would they think they were going to be dispersed, right? I mean, they've all gathered together. They're in the plain of Shinar. Uh, they seem like they're doing a good job. They're, they're advancing technologically. You know, they're building buildings and even a tower. But why would they be thinking they're going to be dispersed? And, and you got to understand, the problem is, what they're doing is in direct defiance to the word of God. And, and they know it's in direct defiance to the word of God, which is why they say, lest we be dispersed. Okay, because there were two clear commandments that God gave uh, to the people at that time. Uh, the first one's from Genesis 128, 
where God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill and fill the earth. And in case you were thinking, well, that was a long time ago. You know, that, that, was, that was before the flood. Probably people forgot about it after the flood, which is, I suppose, why in Genesis 9, he repeats that promise to Noah and his sons. And again, it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So these people know what they're supposed to do, but they have decided they're not going to do it. Uh, and in fact, to guarantee that they're, this isn't going to happen to them, they're going to build this big tower all the way up to the heavens in defiance of God. So that's what you got to understand. This isn't just people saying, let's build us a nice skyscraper. Um, no, no. At the root of this is, is a blatant saying, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. In fact, I'm going to build something that will be so prominent uh, that God's will will be uh, uh, deterred. And this is where in chapter 10, it's interesting because I think many times we assume that to be just to, uh, how do you say it, that there was almost a sinfulness to being dispersed like they were, you know, so like basically um, you guys are, uh, the punishment is that you're di being dispersed, like that's the punishment for what you're doing. But then you look at the nations descended from Noah in chapter 10, where his three sons really were already dispersed. And the, so the sin was not that they were dispersed, that they were dispersed as if we want to get away from all this, you should really be sticking together. The problem was they wanted to stick together, which then therefore they won't necessarily need God, as if God does not go with you if you leave, as opposed to God being with you wherever you might go. And this is the joy of Pentecost. This is the joy of all these things. And so it was an interesting distinction, and I think you really hit on it as well, that the issue was that they were not trusting the Lord, that they were the, listening to themselves to make a name for themselves. The dispersion of people was not like this punishment of, of awfulness, like, oh, hey, now you're even in worse a position. But the issue was they were not wanting to make a name for the Lord God, as you saw with, you're going to see with Abraham, you can say this with Noah when he gets off the ark. They built an altar to, to call on the name of the Lord. So I, I, there's some interesting distinctions that we can really use as we look at this to make sure we have it down packed. Pastor, any thoughts? So, so the last verse of chapter 10 says, and from these, the nations spread abroad ah. on the earth after the flood. That was the plan. God wants the earth to be populated. Uh, and, and it's interesting, isn't that still the plan? What, what was Jesus' command? He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, and, and it's interesting that you got me thinking, that's the problem in the church today, isn't it? We've got our neat little group here, and that's all we need, right? We just want to take care of everybody in our little church, our little congregation. And that's a defiance of what God wants. No, he wants everybody. In fact, that's the whole command, isn't it? To preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. So nothing's changed. We, we still tend to be focused only on ourselves, our parochial needs, whatever we can do for here, right, and now. And, and, and the impact of God's always been, we, we need to love people from all nations. You know, we need to be getting out there. We need to be welcoming them to us, the sojourners who come to us. 
uh, uh, boy, uh, my good friend and partner on Wrestling with the Basics, Matt Clark, they have all these immigrant families because he's in, in urban St. Louis. And, and this is such a great joy for them to bring these people who never would have heard the gospel in their land, but they come here and yeah, they get to hear about Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. So I think it's something we all need to hearken to because this is our tendency to just kind of Keep focusing on us, on our people, the people we're comfortable with. And of course, no, that was the problem all along. No, this was supposed to be. And indeed, isn't that the promise? What, what did he say to Abraham? From you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's an important word, too. The nations piece. We think of a country, you know, with boundaries. Yeah. And really, they were talking about family lineage and the nations. So they really were speaking of these are the people. There's a there's a focus on that language of the people, not the boundaries. Okay, you're in that, I'm in this, but it had to do with the people and their connection, obviously, to the Lord. So yeah, go to the nations, and how could we not go back to like, the call to to go and preach the gospel, which is exactly who we are exactly what we are to do. Pastor, anything else with Tower of Babel before we begin digging? Well, now see, here's the other problem too. Let's go back to that business about, uh, you know, they didn't want to be dispersed, which which you have to understand that's in direct defiance. Uh, and they know it's in direct defiance, okay, of what God wanted. But I think the other telltale thing in that verse is, let us make a name for ourselves. See, mm. uh, they don't want a God. They, want a, they don't want to be dependent on someone Uh, other than themselves, see? And that's the other great sin in here, that they really think they can do this all on their own without the Lord. And and you know what? Again, isn't that our problem? Uh, Even for us as as Christians, I I must confess there are times when I think, oh, I can solve this. You know, just just give me a chance, Lord. Give me a chance to figure this out. I'll do some things. I'll get this. When, When, of course, we can't solve anything even the smallest of our problems. I'm not saying we shouldn't do anything, but I'm saying when we do it, we realize that we're just the tools. We're just the instruments that God is using. Sometimes our efforts will be successful by the blessing of God, but sometimes I think he intentionally lets our efforts fall so we can remember we we cannot do these things on our own. Uh, Everything has to be done with the help and the blessing and the love and forgiveness of God. And this is why... uh, how do you say it? I've heard I've heard the quote, you know, do your best and God will do the rest, which is not if you're going to talk about your relationship with God, it's completely wrong. Yeah. It, it's completely wrong. This is I mean, this is way off the farm. This is heresy. We do not believe that. If you look at it through the lens of life is that you do your maybe it's not the best wording to do your best and God will do the rest. But I once talked about this in Bible study and talked about the heresy of it. And then one of our members, who was a doctor, and he said something along the lines of, you know, that's true in our relationship to God, 100%. But he said, in my life, I have to do what I can and trust that God's going to help me through that. And so if there's a way we can communicate that, that is a good way for us to think. And that's and that's where this comes in, is that they're almost on that on that realm of just complete heresy and forgetting that what you begin with is the Lord who will help us through these things as opposed to beginning with us, which is what they do. They begin with us instead of beginning with the Lord and you put it in the right lens, 
then we're able to look through this vocationally in our lives and in everything else. So Tower of Babel, I think, has some of those implications for us as well. Your thoughts? So let me let me share. And by the way, what I said the last time you and I got together and talked about Genesis, uh, I'll mm. repeat again here. Uh, if anybody hears anything and they say, oh, wow, that was really wise. It, it, it didn't come from me, <laughs> which probably people figured out. Uh, right. But, but you know, Luther's got this beautiful, beautiful commentary on the book of Genesis, volume one of Luther's works, available again from Concordia Publishing House. I really should get money for this, shouldn't I? Or at least a free uh, book mm. or two. But but it's a great book. So, so, so if people have an opportunity, and it, it's a book that lay people can read too. It, it, you know, there's some parts where it might get a little bit heady, but most of it is just really solid practical stuff. So here's a quote from Luther. These words are evidence of smug hearts, which put their trust in the things of this world without trusting God. And now he applies it to the church and despise the church because it lacks all power and pomp. And, mm. and isn't that the thing? So we look at the world, and man, there's impressive things out in the world. They are building tall skyscrapers and, and magnificent buildings and, and electronics and machines and inventions. And we look at the church, and gosh, you guys don't have anything. You, well, well, you've got the big <laughs> screens now. We're getting in the big screens with the video displays, you know. But, but other than that, we just got the Word. But we see that the Word... This gospel that you and I are talking about, it can do things that the world could only dream of accomplishing with all of their machinery and technology and wisdom. Um, well, anyway, so th there's our twofold. And if you think about it, they relate. When you start to put your faith in yourself, then you don't care what God has told you to do. You're going to do what you want to do. So we're going to do this ourselves. So we don't care that God has clearly commanded us that we need to be spreading out no, no, we're going to stay here and we're going to show God. We're going to go right up to the heavens and show him who's actually the boss. So, man, you look at this, Brady. It's just it's just horrible. A direct disobedience. Not only that, though, a disobedience, knowing full well that it's contrary to the will of God and, and to actually want to kind of flaunt it before the Lord. I, I mean, I could see you doing this, but doing it kind of hidden and secretive. But you actually want to build it so that God will see it in the heavens. You want him? Well, we're going to see that doesn't work out very good, does it? <laughs> well, and then there's, there's there's other language. For example, I mean, it's been really fun to dig back into, into Genesis. Yeah. But for example, the, the the when Hagar and Sarai, which is to come, uh, Ishmael literally means God sees, right? Yeah. And yeah. so this that that language of you're not forgotten. So what we don't need to do is build a big building up to the heavens for God to see us because he sees us, you know? Um, and, and, and this goes to Emmanuel language. So it really was a misunderstanding of God and maybe a little bit of, we're going to build this and we're going to kind of baptize a little bit in the name of God, but really it's in the name of us. And so we all have to be careful of that when we do things is because, um, well, that can easily sneak into all of our like, pride or egos or whatever it might be, our old Adam, that what, is this really about that or is it really about us? And that's what we all have to learn from this text as well. well so, Pastor, you know what? It, it, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Say, it's right thing. there in the verse, isn't it? This is what they say. Let us make a name for ourselves. See, totally self-focused without any regard for God, our God's uh, blessing, our God's help. Yeah.
Let's do it. So let's dig into the text. We've we've given you everything to think through here. So let's dig in finally. Verse 1 of Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. I'm going to stop there. What does that mean, Pastor? Right there. I mean, that's his basic information. But what what does that tell you? What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, well so, yeah. So at this point, and, and that, of course, is the whole fundamental thing of the Tower of Babel. It, it, it's a, it's an explanation of why we are where we are today, where you and I speak English, and yet there are people that have German, French, Chinese, Russian, uh, and, and the language is some radically different. Uh, I, I can understand a little bit of German because they we have some German words in English. That's the extent of my German. The words oh, that nice. sound like what we say in English, I know, I know real well. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. Uh, um, uh, but here's the thought I had, because see, we have this thought, if we could go back to that, then everything would be fine, right? In fact, uh, what was, oh man, I can't, Esperanto. Remember when Esperanto, mm, mm. that's before your time, Brady. It is before. I, I don't know that. Well, there, there was a thought <laughs> and at, at, when, at the beginning of the United Nations that what we need is a common language. And if everybody oh. speaks the common language, and so this was going to be Esperanto, and everybody would uh, study this and learn this, and, and we, all of our problems would go away because we could all talk the same language. Um, and, and, and that's what we're learning right here. No, that wouldn't solve anything. That's not the problem that we can't speak the same language. Now, it, it, it does create problems, no doubt about that. But the problem is that we're sinful people, you know, because even when we had one language and even when we had the same words, they just did all kinds of horrible, terrible things in opposition to God's will. If you think about it, what they're doing is incredibly selfish because God wants everybody in the world. Uh, but, but no, they just want to focus on themselves. Uh, concentrate. And you can imagine what would have happened, because uh, we know what happens when, when people like Hitler become powerful and strong, and, and they get their big towers and their mighty armies. You can just imagine what would have happened with the people on the land of Shinar. They would have spread out, but it would be to destroy everybody else. So so let's just put that out of our mind. Uh, that's not the issue. Uh, we No, even if we all had the same language and the same words, we'd still be filled with the same hatred and the same anger that we have now. In fact, isn't that true in our country? We all speak the same language in the United States, but horrible, terrible things are happening all the time in our country, as they are all over the world. And that's where, um, it, 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 the reason I stopped at verse one is because a lot of times our ideal, idealism is a problem, right? This is yeah. my ideal. And they're, they're, we start treating people like ideals as opposed to real people. But this is an ideal. You're like, okay, the whole earth had one language. My goodness, what a utopia that yeah. would be. Yeah. They all use the same words. So you don't have this crazy Minnesota accent compared <laughs> to the Texans. You're not saying words no one can understand. You're all saying soda instead of pop or pop instead of soda. We're all united. It's black, you know, duck, duck, gray duck, like it should be. You know, I mean, everything is united. And we think if we just had that, then everything would be solved. And that's what they had. They just had that. You know, if only we had this, they had it. Everything was the same. And you would think, all right, God's name will be glorified. Well, if you, if you are saying, if we only have that, insert whatever that is, that's your idol. And for them, it was they were fully united. Boom. 
that was not the name of the Lord. It was that you're united, not necessarily in Christ. So right away, that's why you see this idealism that can strike in us too. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, and, and that's the importance of this text. Because like I said, we, we do have this kind of... Uh, um, Utopia was the word you used. Yeah, if we could only, but but it's, no, that's not the problem. The problem is in us. The problem is the sin in our flesh. And, and even if we could all speak the same language, we'd still be doing the same sinful things that we're doing now. Let's keep moving forward. Um, we have two minutes until our break. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Mortar. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Pastor, we have a minute and a half left um, till our break. Your first thoughts. Well, I think we probably really worked this over. The, the idea that, again, this is in defiance to God's command to fill the the world rather than they should be dispersed and, and also this making a name for themselves. But if we only have a minute, let me share with you a quote from Abraham Lincoln, because I, I think it's interesting mm. that the same thing happens in our own country. Here's a quote from Abraham Lincoln during the time of the Civil War. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. And I thought, wow, he could have said that about the Tower of Babel, couldn't he? Because it's the mm -hmm. same thing. They've forgotten that this ability to make bricks, this wisdom of, of bitumen from water, they didn't come up with that. That was all stuff that God had given them. But again, no, no, they, they, they were too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Here's what I'm going to do is we're going to go to our break. But first, it begins with this feeling in the room is that we'll say, okay, well, Noah uh, built a vineyard. And then he drank the wine, too much wine, obviously, and uh, therefore, we shouldn't build any vineyards. Yeah. The same can be said here. They built a tower. Obviously, towers are evil. We don't build a <laughs> tower, and we're good. But we're going to talk about that on the other side of our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 9 with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we'll be right back. What's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches, where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church free of charge to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. Welcome back. We are studying 
Genesis chapter 11 with Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. And Pastor, I, d- I presented that scenario before our break. Okay, uh, obviously the vineyards are evil. Noah drank the wine, got too drunk, uh, did not end well for him or for his son Ham, and therefore you should not ever have a vineyard. And the same could be said here. Okay, the problem is they built a big tower. Therefore, New York City, evil place. They have all those skyscrapers. You know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, they have all those big buildings and big, you know, big stadiums to twins and Vikings and all this kind of stuff. Clearly, they have it all wrong. If we just didn't have that, we'd be good. What would be your response to such ideas? Well, well, first of all, I want to point out to you, it doesn't just say tower. It said they built a city. So even if, mm. even if you're living in a city like uh, other people live, like Belleville, Illinois, where we don't have any towers, it's still, that was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. We should just stay out in the country like we are in New Athens, Illinois, <laughs> and everything would be fine. So thank you, Brady. I agree with you completely. I hadn't thought of that, but I'm glad you brought it up. well and it is you know this goes into what we call pietism is that you follow a set of rules and that be kind of becomes your god and and it we all have some of it where we assume if i just don't do that then then i'm good this goes back to i think i know i've talked about this in this program is if you don't play cards, then you'll never be tempted to gamble, and then you'll never lose your money, and, and then therefore you're good, or you don't smoke ever, or whatever it might be. And we get into what's called pietism. Now, it's different than piety. The piety of maybe of somebody who is an alcoholic does not drink. That is a piety, where they realize that that is not something that I can do. It. The temptation is too strong. Um, but when you make it sound like, I don't do that, therefore I am closer to God, without really giving God the glory, then that's no longer what that is. Um, and so it's a fine line. It's hard to always make sure we're good. But the key thing is here, it wasn't a tower. It wasn't just a city. It To the top of the heavens, it was that they wanted to make a name for themselves. And in response to that, they said, let's stick together and not really deal with anybody else. Pastor, you, you talked about this before, but I don't think we've really moved on from that. That is a tendency that we'll still have today. Your thoughts? Well, so I really appreciate you making the comment because, see, I believe every word in the Bible has something to say to us. And honestly, when I hear the comment, they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. I'm thinking, well, okay, <laughs> that's great to know. <laughs> uh, but 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 thank you because I think your comment now has has framed the purpose of that. Was it a problem that they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar? No, no, that's not a problem. In fact, that's that's a blessing of the Lord that he gave them the knowledge that they could do that, that they could build more permanent structures. Is is it a bad thing to have a city? No, no, no. In fact, God will establish a city. He'll take over the city of Jerusalem and make it his own. Uh, Is it wrong to have a tower? Well, now we're starting to get into part of the problem because it wasn't just building a tower, but a tower with its top in the heavens. Uh, In Mm -hmm. fact, the Jewish rabbis interpret this to say they actually thought they could fight God. So they were going to build a tower to heaven and they could confront God face to face. Now, that's, again, a Jewish interpretation. I don't know whether we can put any weight on that. But certainly, like you said, the next phrase is where the problem is. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed. No faith in God, a defiance of the commandment, the clear command God had given them. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. None of these earthly things are sinful in themselves, but we're sinful 
And the sad thing is, is we take them and we make them sinful. But but see, the, the air of pietism is just like you said, so, well, if we don't play cards, then we can't gamble. Well, let me tell you this. You can gamble with dice. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a right. whole lot of things you can gamble with. You, no, no, no. See, you're missing the point. It's not the cards. It's not the dice. It's us. And that's the problem with pietism. It, it, it keeps us from doing what we all need to do, which is repent that we are sinners uh, through and through. But but let's not forget, though, we are forgiven sinners. That That's the great thing we have. We're, we're going to get to that in, in just a moment. So. So let's, let's keep moving forward, because at this point, we know their reaction. We have not seen how God reacts to this point. So verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is the only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Pastor, I'm going to stop there, because... We have a number of directions we can go with this, and being quite confusing. So I want to start with what you see in those two verses, and then highlight a few other things. What do you got? Well, well I think the, uh, the the key phrase that we have to do with is the Lord came down, uh, mm. because well, well, wait a second, I thought God was uh, omnipresent. I thought He was present. There. So what? So so let me just share with another quote here here from Luther that says these are expressions of Holy Scripture to which one must become accustomed. God quote, comes down, unquote, not really, or essentially, for he is everywhere. But he ceases to take no notice. He ceases to be long-suffering and begins to reveal, punish, and convict sin. Therefore, the smug people who used to think that he was far away now see that he is present, and they begin to tremble. And, and I thought about that. That's because, see, they thought God was some up in the heavens. That's why they had to build a tower so they could get up to him. And they didn't understand, no, no, God is right here. Uh, he um, is the Emmanuel, as you said before. That is the God with us. Uh, but, of course, maybe that's not a good thing that God is with us, especially if, if we have ignored God, especially if we are doing the opposite of what God would have us to do. That's probably not a comfortable thing. Um uh, so, yeah. And you have that, oh man, you have, and that's a, just a great, I mean, this goes to Christmas, this goes to incarnation, this goes to salvation, uh, sanctification, the whole thing yeah. is that understanding of God coming down to us to intercede and to work with his people. Here, once again, they see what they're doing. So the Lord sees, and that can be quite terrifying because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if you haven't come to him in faith, boy, that's really terrifying. But in faith, the Lord comes to you and what a comfort. This situation, not one of faith, not good, because they were going down that road where they would no longer believe in, believe in him. They're not saying, oh, they're so smart. Therefore, they're going to be better than us, uh, the, tri the triune God says. But it's more like we want them to be part of us. So how do we make sure that they are humbled, <laughs> that we are able to uh, curb where they are going and to keep them in relationship with us. And I think that's a powerful reality, too, and that understanding of the Lord coming down to them. Let me share with you another quote from Luther, if I could. All right. Uh, I love it. So, so, so again, the problem is, like you said here, these people, they, they have no faith. That they, they defy God. They, they run contrary to his will. And so for him to come down, 
That's a frightening thing. Although when we get to the end, we'll see it, it was actually a good thing. He didn't do this because he hated. If he hated the people at Babel, he would have allowed them to continue to build their tower and their city and fulfill their heart's desire. His intervention is because he really loves these people. And you can see the horrible things that will come out of these activities. But, but let me share with you a quote for us who do have faith. Uh, for the godly, however, the descent of the Lord is most delightful and most welcome. And for this reason, they earnestly requested in fervent and unceasing prayers. But the flesh often makes them have doubts. For the Pope, the Turk, and other enemies of the church appear to have established their power to such an extent that no force seems able to overthrow them. Yet someday God will descend and scatter them both. Over against our weakness and the smugness of the ungodly, Scripture bears witness that finally God descends, punishes, and opens his eyes, ears, and mouth. This the godly believe, but with a feeble faith, while the ungodly smugly disregard it. Isn't that a great thought? Mm, so so the ungodly, they, they don't worry about it. They're just doing things, making a name for themselves. But for those of us who have begun faith, well, we know. We know. In fact, we've experienced his discipline. We know he comes down, but we also know that he always comes even in discipline, out of love. And he always comes to bring us his forgiveness. And he always comes to deliver us finally from whatever evil and uh, wickedness we struggle with here. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was a neat quote from Luther. Um, now that I've done this, we just gone through verse 6, correct? Yeah. Because now I'm overwhelmed by what you're just saying because it just really lays out that understanding of coming in faith and those who do not come in faith, yeah. how you completely see it different with those Christ goggles versus the ones that do not have Christ goggles. So, Pastor, anything else uh, with that? That, Like I said, I'm overwhelmed. So is there more to it you want to say well, or anything else? To, verse you know, six? Brady, we, we got talking. How, how many verses? Oh, yeah. Verse six is the next verse. Uh, we've gone through verse six. Oh, okay. We well, then, yeah, yeah, we I, well then I think we need to look at verse six because see, okay. here, here's the problem. Nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Right. There's, right. there's great evil that's going to come out of these people building their city and building their tower. Again, not because they build a city or build a tower. Those could become things for blessing if they're done in faith, if they're done in trust in God. But I can just imagine what horrible things these people would do upon the people around them if they were to continue with this unity and this power. Because think about it, most of the really horrible things that have been done throughout history are done when power becomes concentrated in one group, one people, right? That's where the evil comes from. When people are divided, we don't like that, but, but as long as we're all kind of dispersed, well, we kind of have to get along with each other, don't we? But when we all get concentrated in one place and when we concentrate all of our power and all of our might, inevitably we turn around and we start exploiting the people around us. Sad thing, but that's because that's our sinful nature. And, and that's the hard part. So how would you say it in verse 6? Because we could easily run run away from what the text is actually saying. Where it says, nothing, let's see here, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. And they would say, well, this kind of like lowers the bar of God's all power, his omnipotence. 
because you're saying that not man and humankind can just do whatever they want and God can't do a thing about it. Pastor, how would you respond to somebody who makes that conclusion based on this text? Well, see, that that's I, I love God because I think God is funny. <laughs> I, I think this is very similar. This is very similar to uh, uh, what's the what's the business in, in, in earlier in Genesis where he says, "Oh man, you know, I, I don't know what these people are going to do." Uh, and you know, now that now, now that they've become like us, you know, uh, uh, and, and of yeah. course he, he's just being sarcastic. They, they used to be like him; they were made in his image, and now that they've sinned, they're, they're totally different than him uh, because now they're all going to go die. <laughs> the dust is going to return to the dust, and I think that's the same thing we have here, and, and that's the whole point of the story. If you think that God cannot intervene in a way that will put an end to man's wicked and evil plans. Well, here's the evidence. Yeah, if you think that indeed they can do something that is impossible, well, God put an end to that, didn't he? <laughs> it never got there, did it? That That's the point. You may think you can do something that will overcome the will of God, but in the end, we'll all see that it was God who has the final say. So does that make sense? It does. It's, it's kind of like, uh-oh. It's kind of like this if... if, if uh... I'm going to have lunch with John Lekomsky and John calls me and says, I can't make it today. I don't know what you're going to do. And I'll say, well, I'm going to have to manage without you. <laughs> you know, I'm going yes, to have yes. to just deal with that. My life is over that. I can't have lunch with John. Kind of that's that kind of sarcasm is how you're interpreting. Well, that. yeah. I, I, so, so, I so nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. And you can just see God <laughs> kind of rolling his eyes saying, oh, yeah, sure. All yeah, right. Boom. Yeah. Now you can't understand each other. Huh? Really? Did you think you could do something that I could not prevent you from doing? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love it. So what's what's continuing? Well, now I'm probably jumping the gun here. But isn't that remarkable? Because you know what God could have done? He could have killed them all. Uh, Right? mm -hmm. He could have sent a tornado. He could have sent some, I don't know, the earth could have opened up and swallowed them all up. That's what he could have done to put a stop to them. But but that's not the nature of God. Even for people like this, even for people who have defied him, who have openly said, we will not do what you have commanded us to do. He, he doesn't want to destroy them. Ultimately, they, they will have to be destroyed, I suppose, if they do not repent. Uh, what else are you going to do in the end to the man who will not love his neighbor except say, well, depart from me, you know. Uh, but I think it's so important to see that's not what God wants. So he stops their evil plans. That's he does. But he doesn't destroy them either. He gives them a chance to repent. Well, let's continue on to the end, verses 7 through 9. Um, because there's a lot of, uh, I want to say, there's a lot of implications to this. Yeah. There's a lot of gift to this. And there's a lot of misinterpretations of this as well. Verse 7. Come, let us go down there, confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord Yahweh dispersed them from there from there over the face of all the earth and left off building and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because the Lord confused their language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, Pastor, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this, which I would we would consider to be not true. I would even consider it to be heresy. Is God comes down, confuses their language, they are separated across the earth, and then therefore 
this is the reason why we have so many different religions that everybody pretty much has the same God. It's just spoken in different ways. How would you respond to such a conclusion to this? Well, see, the, the irony is, is if you actually would read on, you'll find that it's exactly the opposite. Right. That, that <laughs> Yes, you're right. We have many, many different gods. Uh, as a consequence of this, uh, paganism will flourish. Uh, everyone will have their own God. Everyone will choose to describe God in different ways. They'll give gods different names. Uh, yeah, uh, this is this is the beginning of all the idolatry that we will know throughout the history of the Bible and through the history of the world. And yet in the very next chapter, God said, now I'm going to bring back the true faith, the true religion. I'm going to call a man out of all of this paganism, all of this worshiping many, many gods, and, and give him the faith in the one true God. So, I, yeah, I don't know. You, know, I, you and I actually, we talked about this a little earlier before we started recording, and I'm not sure where that idea would even come from uh, because, <laughs> like I said, when you read the next chapter, yeah, here's the problem. Now we've got to get back to the one Lord. Uh, mm, and and mm -hmm. he, he's going to do that through a man called Abraham, and that'll be the things you'll be talking about uh, in the days to come. Uh, but yeah, no, no, that's the whole thing. Abraham says, I, there is there is only one God. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, right. And, and he says that because we got a whole bunch of other gods out there. Right. And, and he did it out of grace, right? Yeah. Is that he he sends them out not to say, oh, by the way, you know, you guys would just say God and it, you know say different religions out there, and you just confess me differently. No, he 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 it disperses them so that they'll stay with him, not have this like wide variety of beliefs about him. That they would stay with him and to, to curb the the um, the idolatry, the pride that was overcoming them, and the Lord humbled him in this way. And you know what, Pastor, I do want to say this. You have mentioned this to me before, that if you get a little too arrogant, God has a funny way of humbling <laughs> us. And, and I'll say, this is the way that he was doing this to them. He's like, oh, you think you can do anything? Let's see if all you have to change is a little, little tiny thing, your language, and see if you can still get things done. And boom, they can't. So any thoughts on how God humbles us? Well, well two things there, two things there. Isn't it ironic what what did they say their their plan was that they would not be dispersed right uh, we're going to do this he's not going to disperse us we're going to build these towers these cities and 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 how does the text conclude and from there the lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth <laughs> okay and, and i think that's just ironic the very thing we say that god is not going to be able to do cuz right we're in control that's the thing that we actually end up doing cuz that's what god commanded but there's a comfort in this. There's a comfort in this. Yeah. Uh, Matt and I were having a discussion about faith, uh, and he was talking about um, what would what would the Old Testament be like if people didn't have faith? Well, you know, uh, um, Moses wouldn't have led the people out of Egypt. Uh, Noah probably wouldn't have built an ark, and and you could just go on and go on the list. But as we were talking about it, I thought, but but wait a second, that that that's a true thing. Faith makes a big difference. But I don't think God really gives you an option when it comes to faith. You know, I mean, Moses said, oh, I, I can't do this. You know, no, no, I'm not a very good talker. But in the end, Moses ends up doing it, doesn't he? And mm -hmm. I imagine Noah was not all that excited about building an ark at first, too. But Noah ends up building an ark. Uh, and the example I thought of was Mary. Because Mary doubted, too. And the angel came and said, well, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. 
And she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And yet she did it, didn't she? Uh, that, that's what we got to realize. See, pietism goes into this too. Pietism thinks it's about us and about what we do. I'm going to tell all of our listeners right now, God's going to have his way. You cannot stop him. It is impossible. But what Brady and I are trying to tell you is what the way of God is. And the way of God is that you would be loved by him, that you would be forgiven by him, that you would be given eternal life by him. Uh, and it's not a matter of you saying yes to those things. It's just a matter of you understanding and having faith that that's what he's going to do. So don't be deterred by all the things that might cause you to doubt in this world. In fact, I love that passage about that I read to you from Luther because he talks about we have the feeble faith. And that's what we do. But, but no, no, don't worry. The Lord will keep you strong in the faith. The Lord will get all this done. The only thing you can't do, Brady, is say no to the Lord. Because mm. if mm. you tell him no, well, I tell you what, you better watch out because he's going to work really hard to get you to change that answer. You know, uh, consider the Apostle Paul as an example. Uh, but maybe you don't want to go down that route. You don't want to face all the sufferings <laughs> and struggles. But but yeah, I, I do grant you that. Ultimately, I suppose we can say, Lord, I don't want your love. I don't want your forgiveness. We can refuse it. Uh, but you got to understand, mm -hmm. you can't change God. God is always right. going to love. God is always going to forgive. Uh, even when our faith is weak, that's what he intends to do. Lord, keep us humble, yeah. right? Yeah. Keep us steadfast in the faith. Um, and, and, and Lord, sometimes you have to separate us. You got to separate us from, from situations that are not helpful. And that's exactly what he does here. Pastor, as we look at this, these last few verses, we have a, about six minutes okay. left in our time. And the Lord comes down again, verse 7. So he came down to see how things are going. Eh, not so good. Now he comes down again uh, to confuse their language. He kind of comes down a little bit different, but this is important, I think, too, because we can think he comes down and he just kind of wants to pat us on the back and give us a little pep talk and move us around. But sometimes the Lord has to come in and do what, Pastor? Well, see, here's going back to Luther again. One of the things he says in his commentary that I thought was was really uh, neat and helpful is is it's good for the Lord to discipline us. And, and in fact, we, we really want the Lord to discipline us right away. Now, now, we don't want that in our flesh. I understand that because our flesh doesn't want to be dis disciplined at all. But but Luther points out that, that when God delays, that's not a good thing because it means when he finally does bring his wrath and discipline upon us, it's going to be really, really harsh. It's better for God to do what he does here, for God to strike immediately, to put an end to the evil and wicked thing before it gets any more evil and wicked. Um because that's the thing. We, we, we are sinful people. We, we're going to have to be uh, disciplined. Uh, and, and that's what he does here. Uh, but again, like I said, it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, well, anyway. Yeah. Good. No, that, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. So now we look at verses 8 and 9. He disperses them over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. What I would find interesting is what was it like 
there's that tower left over because you've 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 seen this before, Pastor. Yeah. You go in, let's just say certain parts of St. Louis, uh, North St. Louis is I'm thinking particularly. You drive through there, and there's some big old buildings that at one time they were built, and there was tons of hope. Big old churches, tons of hope, and they were left. And the grief is no different than when they left Jerusalem for the Babylonian captivity. The temples destroyed. The grief that they would have been feeling at that point almost would have been just as hard, if not harder, than the language that was confusing them. And that's where I felt that in this text this time, is not only this, like, oh, man, I can't talk to people, but they were, they, can you imagine when they walked away from this tower, whether how big it was built or the city, and thinking, wow, we thought we had it all, and now it just lays empty, and the grief that they would have felt. Any thoughts on that part of it, or other parts? Well, and, and again, as harsh as that is, I, I think that's... that's uh, the evidence of God's love, uh, because we're so forgetful. Yeah, you know, we do mm-hmm. sinful things, and then God comes and He forgives us, because that's His nature. You know, His His nature is to is to discipline us to the point that we repent. All right, so that we realize what we're doing is wrong. He's mm-hmm. just not, and thank God He doesn't let that go on any longer than He does. Uh, but then, after we're forgiven right away, we forget that we forget our sin. So I, I think you're right. I think sometimes he leaves these little memorials of the foolishness we've done in the past, uh, and, and when we see them, of course, that makes us sad. But that that's a good thing. That's the sadness of repentance. And, and the important thing, though, Brady, is as we see those memorial to our past failures, that we don't despair, but we remember. Oh, wait a second. God is in control. As I look back on things, I see now God is actually doing everything he wanted to do at the beginning. This dispersal of them, as you actually alluded to at the beginning of our study, is not a punishment. It's a Mm -hmm. good thing. It's a blessing for them to be dispersed. If God had allowed them to stay there in that city, that would have been the punishment. That would have been the discipline. And you know what? Sometimes God does that. Sometimes he says, I'm just going to let you do your evil, wicked thing until you see how evil and wicked it is. But please, oh God, don't treat us that way. Don't let let us become so hard-hearted and so wicked and evil. No, no, you come and you discipline us right away when we're doing what is wrong. Help us to see uh, and, and repent. And then remember, like I said, in the end of this text, everything happens just the way God wanted it to happen. And again, what he wanted was for the love of these people and for the love of all the people in the world. Um, just think about it, Brady. You, you and I might not be uh, in, 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 in faith if God had allowed this to continue. There might have been just one area of paganism and, and, and the Christianity and the faith and the belief in, in God we have now might not have existed. Who knows what mm-hmm. might have come if God hadn't intervened. And thankfully, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Pastor, 30 seconds left in our time. How would you summarize our text and encourage our listeners in Christ? Well, I, I, just a reminder that everything that God does, he does in love, even the discipline. That's always done in love. That's the key teaching, isn't it? Isn't that what the Bible says? That God disciplines mm. as a father disciplines his son in love. So for all of us who are struggling, and I think probably most of us are, uh, please understand God is not intending this for our evil, but he is intended for our good and for the good of the people around us as well. Um, 
Well, thanks be to God, Pastor John Lekumski, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 11. John, Pastor Lekumski, thank you again for bringing us his gift. Thank you, Brady. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.